Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Today we are in for a real treat. We have a wonderful collaboration between Ultrasound Gel and Feminem. Or Feminus. 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 This is Michael Pratt, 1T, and Risa E. Lewis, double S. We're reporting live from Columbus, Ohio. Why are we here today? We are actually at the SCUF 2019 annual conference, and it has been a blast. A total blast. And we decided actually to work together on this discussion with our audience because we want to highlight some of the events and why it's a pivotal moment in point-of-care ultrasound. Yes, and we're joined by some wonderful colleagues, Sarah Damewood and Nova Panabianco. Welcome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. So I'm going to jump right in, Mike, if that's okay, and ask our, our, our special guests to introduce themselves. Sarah, tell us about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the ultrasound section chief at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. I also am the fellowship director and am fortunate to be part of SCUF and uh, serving as a leader as a co-chair of the program accreditation committee. Wow, accreditation. We'll, we'll get back to that. Nova, can you tell us about you? Um, I am the Ultrasound Fellowship Director at the University of Pennsylvania. I've been involved with SCUF for many, many years now, uh, beginning with being the president from AEUS, then being elected as a board member, and then finally being elected as secretary, now being co-chair with Sarah Danewood on the accreditation committee. And might I add one more very prestigious notch on Nova's accolades, that she also serves as an expert peer reviewer for the Ultrasound Gel podcast. Wow. How does one become a peer reviewer, Mike? Well, the short answer is you need only ask. We're always looking for peer reviewers because we think this is the highest level of foam ed where we can provide people not only our opinions and information, but actually referencing it with other experts and the evidence that's actually out there. So if you're really interested, you can DM me on Twitter or email me and we can talk about it. So audience, Mike runs a regular podcast specifically focusing on ultrasound, point of care ultrasound, which is what many of us utilize in our everyday clinical care for patients. Uh, It's a special podcast because he and colleagues generally discuss the literature in point of care ultrasound, but today we're going to move a little bit away from literature and we're going to talk about point of care ultrasound and about this SCUF conference. If I were to ask you, what would you say your highlights of this conference? You know, one thing that I really enjoyed was the lightning speakers that were here today. I thought these were fellows, ultrasound fellows, that were giving presentations that had to be five minutes long, and they really blew me away with their, how they carried themselves and how they presented their slide design, and the content was there. They were really expert at all these things they were teaching us about. Yeah, I agree, and it's just, we all saw this as an opportunity to amplify young medical educators, young academic physicians that were going to be taking the stage in in no time. Yeah, and it was great. And thanks again, Risa, for serving as a judge. I think that by providing them feedback on how they did, this will build them up as national speakers. 
Yeah. So, Mike, I want to thank you for allowing me to be your co-host here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, audience, Mike, like myself, is a big fan of espresso, so there are plenty of independent coffee shops in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but we digress. This is not why we're here to speak. Back to Sarah and Nova. So, Sarah and Nova, um, we've been following this timeline of the evolution and maturation of point-of-care ultrasound in terms of it becoming more structured and protocolized, ultimately so that we have a standard in fellowships. So. I'd love to have you two together and separately take it where you want to of walking us through some of the history. Assume the audience really doesn't know much and isn't deep in the weeds the way you certainly are, and specifically what the accreditation committee within SCUF is doing. Uh, so thanks, Risa. The accreditation committee within SCUF is, is really doing some exciting work right now. And so to give a little bit of a conceptual perspective, the accreditation committee has been it formed for the last two years. It started in 2017, and it really came out of SCUF as a way to try to identify uh, what is the minimum standard for a fellowship program. There are guidelines out there. There are documents out there that talk through what are what. Um, some people feel are, are the important pieces of fellowship programming, but no one has really gone to the extent of digging through all of the details and um, doing a Delphi process to try to achieve some sort of expert consensus on the many facets of uh, fellowship programming. And If I can say, so example, like what you're emphasizing in Madison may be different than what Nova is emphasizing in Philadelphia, which is different than what Mike and Cray are doing in Columbus. Precisely. And this committee formed prior to any conversation of, of what was going to be decided by ABEM and, and the powers that be. This was really meant to be within SCUF of, of trying to help build up programs, developing a mentorship community so that programs feel supported and can all work together to meet a certain minimum standard. So, Mike, this is all kind of a jumble of alphabet soup. It's a lot of letters, FDP, DFP, uh, FPD. Uh, what does it mean to you? What's your translation of it being a little er earlier on in your career? I think that from my perspective, this is all really important because even in my short time in this field, I've seen how it's changed. And it seems like we're going in a great direction because we're, from what I understand, we're trying to make this a better process for everybody that's involved. We want to have the field open to collaboration, but also have uh, our guidelines in place so that we can safely practice what we want to with point-of-care ultrasound. So although I do get confused with all the letters sometimes, I think that my understanding is that these are going to be helpful organizing methods so that we can better practice what we all know is the best way to. Nova, can you walk us through, there are certain things you're working on that you can discuss and certain things that perhaps are uh, to be announced, TBA. Uh, what can you share with us about the work that you've seen already done and what might be some highlights of what's to come? Shrikar Adhikari did an amazing keynote today giving us the history of point-of-care ultrasound. Uh, and I didn't really ex understand how far back this goes, including 1976 was probably the first publication of the in all point of care ultrasound. And the natural evolution and maturation of our own practice is unfolding and evolving. And to be part of it is incredibly exciting. Um, and I think it's very important that we are taking our own ownership of our accreditation process, our standards, and our education. And so this is really the next step in being driving that ship toward what 
we believe is important in fellowship training and in, in clinical practice. Some of the documents that the two of you highlighted today in your summary of where we are and the work you're doing, uh, we have a document that talks about uh, evaluating residents. We have a document that separates out maybe what is resident level point of care ultrasound and what's fe fellow level ultrasound. We have a document that is really, really detailed that talks about what a fellow should learn during, during a point of care ultrasound fellowship. From there, what, how do we need to bring it all together and collate it so that we have accredited fellowships? Well, I think it starts here and today. So today at SCUF, uh, we shared what we've collated to the community. And this is so important. Our community is very active. It's very nimble. It is very collaborative. And so we felt it was most important to share with our community as soon as we could uh, what we'd identified from these documents because we want to hear the feedback and the input from the community to help guide this process. We want everyone to feel like they've had a hand in shaping their own destiny. I, for one, really appreciate the amount of work that has gone into this because it must it's an incredible undertaking. I, w I would actually love to hear from all three of you because I know, Risa, you too have worked on many ultrasound guidelines. What are some of the challenges, because I'm sure there are a million, of trying to get a group to agree on a certain set of things? You know, the creation of consensus is a fascinating experience. And one of the things that actually really gets me going uh, is to be part of the experience where you talk to your peers and hear what's important to them and then hash it out. And it, you know, one of the things that Point of Care Ultrasound, I think, really uh, excels at is being, uh, this community in general is very good at voicing their opinions, explaining their justification and their evidence for why they believe what they believe, and then coming to an amicable decision or a conclusion, and then including everybody else in that conversation. I think one of the challenges we've had as we've developed this is creating a document that's going to withstand the test of time. Uh, when I did a fellowship, there was no lung ultrasound. And actually, we were told, don't ultrasound the lung. It's air. You're not going to see anything. And now people would argue it's one of the more important applications that we utilize in our everyday emergency department practice. So I think keeping conscious of something that's going to withstand time has been something I've focused on. Also being cognizant that out at Highland General, they're doing nerve blocks galore. It's their patient care environment. When I worked in New York City, county hospital, inner city, we had to do a lot of intracavitary probe, transvaginal pelvic ultrasounds, whereas we know, I called it the elephant in the room at one of my presentations, a lot of people aren't doing it. And that was brought up today in debate. Where, where, do, we, where do we fall with this? If it's not cost effective, it's not time effective, and people aren't doing it, should it be? You know, where is it? And that debate, I think, is part of what we really uh, respect about each other and relish and want to hear, and that's why we come to SCUF. And to piggyback on that comment, I, I think that's part of the challenge is deciding how granular to be in creating this document and also uh, while being definitive, but also having some flexibility so that it can stand the test of time and it can be adapted and interpreted in a way that meets both balances of, of having these minimum standards, but also being open to be uh, developed later into what's evolving within our specialty. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I... When you talked about the transvaginal issue, I think it brings up that there's such a large diversity of practice environments that it's hard for people that are maybe working in a very 
rural single provider situation to have the same needs for ultrasound as someone that is an educator at a very academic place. So I understand that it sounds like you're trying to make them applicable to everybody, just kind of setting that baseline of what we all need to have in common. Is that true? Coming up with a foundation for fellowship education and content is really what we're getting at. And then noting that people will have different practice patterns and should not be constrained based on how they practice. And audience, don't worry, we will have links in the show notes to some of these important documents that are already out there, as well as a description from the ABEM website of what is a F. P P D D F P D, and, and these letters have changed quite a bit. Uh, I'd like to pivot a little bit and talk about our uh, collaboration, Mike, yeah. uh, ultrasound gel plus feminem, um, and sort of what you see um, the role of, you know, sitting with us today. Like we, we love that you're uh, welcoming us to your city and welcoming us to your table and your podcast. Um, where do you see the role of women in this whole point of care ultrasound world? Well, I think that it's important that, to, to take it back a step, do we really need to say in this ultrasound world, because I think that we're probably in agreement that women should have the same role in any sort of world, and maybe it just hasn't penetrated to the ultrasound world as much as in other places, or even to medicine in general. So I think that as far as having you be part of the podcast, I just want to allow Feminem to reach just another small section that maybe it hasn't reached its potential in yet. Yeah. I, I, mean, I certainly am committed to having everybody at the table, and it, this is not just about gender. It's about having everybody. The more, you know, the, the business literature talks about uh, diverse work groups are productive. And to hospital systems, that means they make money. But that's not why we're here. We're talking about productive in terms of actually collaboration, in terms of successful speaking engagements, conferences, documents and sort of it's celebrating and welcoming that diversity that I think makes everybody feel uh, elevated. I entirely agree and it's the diversity is so helpful in a lot of different ways in social media I think because what you're doing in social media is trying to connect with people or interact with people so the more diversity that you have when you're producing content I feel like it allows it to reach a broader audience and allow different people to connect with it. And that's just another testament to SCUF, right? Look how diverse the programs are that are here. Look at how diverse from small programs, big programs. Uh, there's a geographic diversity is also important that we don't talk that much about. That's another um, benefit of SCUF here is having all of these people as fellowship directors of people interested in, in fellow ultrasound education coming from very far away or very nearby to talk about what's important. We have military programs, we have DO programs, we have uh, allopathic programs, we have other specialties, pediatrics, internal medicine. I mean, we really increasingly every year, this is the largest scuff ever, and the the uh, type of person that's attracted to come to this conference has only uh, increased uh, in its different like categories. Just kind of speaking to about ultrasound in general, um, as a subspecialty, it is very techy. It involves technology um, interfacing with the internet. Uh, typically, things that are not so uh, female friendly, where it's, a, it's 
exciting to me that women are very well represented in this field um, and are able to get leadership positions like Risa was the ASAP section chair. We have roles here in, at SCUF and it's been very accommodating to women in the field. So uh, an atypical um, subspecialty for women to be involved in and very well represented. I was going to say, Mike, um, thank you so much for sitting. It's been a, a long day, day one of SCUF, and we've got a n- we have an evening plan, and then we have a full day in front of us. Uh, any final comments you wanted to make about uh, the day? Actually, I would love to hear what's the future of Feminem. What kind of projects are coming around the pike, or what sort of direction do you anticipate this awesome collaboration may go in? Well, I, uh, I've been a part of some of the organizing of FIX, the Feminine Idea Exchange, and one of the aspects of those conferences that we're proud is we get everybody on the stage, there's a voice, and trying to get representation of that voice. And within the ultrasound world, I've worked hard and will continue to, to get that representation. It's not just your buddies and your friends. It's not just the cool people, but it's the people that maybe don't put themselves forward. It's the people that um, are doing work, um, but you don't know it because they're not on social media. Like, I actually love finding those hidden gems. Um, That's, everybody should be celebrated uh, just because everybody wears their accomplishments differently. And I think we're seeing that this year at SCUF in terms of representation, in terms of speakers and panel members. And, um, you know, foreshadow for next year, uh, 2020, SCUF will be in Tucson, Arizona. And that Arizona group under Shrikar Adhikari, they have some special things up their sleeve. Well, I certainly can't wait for that next conference. I know right now we're going to enjoy the moment and enjoy being with our other colleagues here in Columbus. And I think if there's anything, any other comments you'd like to have, I would say we adjourn and go celebrate. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much to the people here at Columbus who have been so supportive and you, Cray and Mike and your whole group has been phenomenal. Well, thanks so much. It was really a pleasure having you on the podcast. And like I said, we'll provide links in the show notes to all of the resources that we mentioned. Thanks again for joining us and we will talk to you later.